Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Civcast. I am your host, Kyle, joined by my co-host, as always, Mike. Hello, Mike. Hey there. Uh, it is, what, Saturday, October 15th, Mike. We are one, uh, less like, than a week out from like, Civ 6. Oh, man. Like, you can feel I, it. I can't wait. I'm feeling it. I am feeling it. It is, uh, what is, so Saturday, we've got less than, uh, we have a little bit more than five days from the time we're recording right now, which is kind of crazy to think. It still, in a way, feels to me like we've got months and months and months to go before uh, it's in our hands, but mm -hmm. it's going to be here before we know it. And they gave us some really cool news this week that uh, tied into our last episode and slightly blew me away a bit. Um, last week, Mike, if you remember, we were talking about potential secondary leaders and stuff like that for civs. And we were, you know, referencing an old Let's Play that Fraxis did um, where Ed Beach had mentioned that in passing. And then this past week, we had the big news that... Um, Gorgo is going to be leading Greece in addition. Um, so we're seeing that there are going to be different leaders set up officially through um, 2K and Firaxis. And mm -hmm. they're also going to be really opening this up to modders, which is great to see that community embraced. You know, we've been, we on the show really want to do some mod highlights of the week and stuff like that as we get um, kind of further down the line. So lovely to see that they're doing all that extra, those extra steps to make that possible and to accommodate. So I'm sure we're going to get some really, really cool stuff when this game comes out. Um, let's, do you want to jump right into talking about our new leader here and we can kind of explain our thoughts on it? Yeah, I just want to go out and say that we called it. We I called mean, it. we totally called, we called this from a uh, hundred yards away, man. I mean... I think if you go back, it was like the first or second episode we were talking about it. And then uh, off air, we were talking about it as well, uh, about how it just seems like there's going to be a second leader. Mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be multiple leaders per Civ because they go out of the way and say leader ability. Um, and also, when I was watching, I've been watching some Let's Plays mm -hmm. and um, all of the stuff in the UI um, and just in the way that things are phrased. So... Uh, when other civs enter the like enter new eras, it doesn't it doesn't say America has or uh -huh. the Aztecs have. It says Teddy Roosevelt has or Montezuma has. And I was like, that's Smart. I was like, that's kind of weird that they're specifying which like the leader name. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's pretty cool. I, yeah, I, I like that. Um, that's something I hadn't picked up on yet. So I'm glad you called that out. But it makes a lot of sense that they're, you know, saying leader name. Um, so for anyone that would be worried, you know, we're always doing a little bit of a recap on this show. Um, so for anyone that would be worried about how that's going to work, you know, a sieve replacing another sieve, you know, Fraxis did a lot of back-end work to make that happen. Um, up in the top uh, toolbar, up in the top right, you can see that there's different pictures for each leader, not for the civilization itself. So it's no, you know, flag or something of, of a country. It is actually just their, their portrait. Um, so there's no doubling up, nothing like that. Um, in the Let's Play we got from Fraxis this week, uh, Ed Beach went out of his way to explain how, um, you know, it goes to great lengths to pick different city names um, at random. So you're always getting something that's historically accurate, but always a little diverse. And your, your sieve is always going to develop in a unique way based on your decisions. Um, Gorgo is an interesting take on Greece because Greece seemed to be, what, a very culture focused. They had a lot in terms of civics. Um, the the actual civilization's unique ability is Plato's Republic, which gives you that extra wild card slot in your civics. So powerful. So powerful. So this one, Gorgo, she's a twist on his uh, what could be described as like a more passive play style. She is definitely on the aggressive side. She gets the unique um, district that Greece has, which would be the Acropolis. She also gets the unique unit, which is the hoplite. So those two are shared. But mm -hmm. one of her things is that she gets um, a culture per kill, uh, just like we've seen in previous games of Civ from, you know, Beyond Earth to that was even in Civ Five for killing barbarians and such. Um, so she gets, you know, killing any unit gives culture... Um, that scales along with that unit's uh, yeah. combat so, strength. Yeah, I have it pulled up on here. It's it's called Thermopylae. Mm. This is a leader ability. Uh, provides culture for 50% of the ba base strength of the defeated unit. So it's essentially a nerfed Aztec uh, ability. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, this seems very weak uh, compared to Plato, which gets culture much more passively, much more easily. 
I mean, you kind of have to fight for city-state allies, but it seems like you're going to, I mean, even if you only have two city-state allies, it's still a 10% bonus, which is enormous. So, and this is very situational. So, I, eh. and it's not like we're, uh, it's like a tech tree now. So it's not like it's going to be like a one-time thing for social policies. It has to be sustained. And I think that per- or Pericles is going to be able to sustain their culture over a long period of time. I um, agree. That makes sense. So, I mean, it is kind of funny, though, like, the way that the narrative works. It's like you could be in the middle of a war and have like a cultural renaissance as Gorgo because you're like knocking through a bunch of technologies, which is kind of funny because, you know, you don't really think about war and cultural progress. Um, so it's a neat little it, it is kind of a cool little like thematic thing. Oh, yeah. Um, to say, like, you're knocking through a bunch of, um, knocking through a bunch of uh, cultural policies. But, and I also appreciate that it's called Thermopylae because that's where the, like, where the 300, that's historically where the, yep, yep. Um, they held their ground against the Persians. I like that. And also her uh, agenda, because every, every civ has, every leader has their unique agenda. Mm-hmm. Hers is called With Your Shield or On It. Which is in she's it says uh, she never gives up items in a peace deal, which is going to not be fun to fight against her. Uh, prefers civs who has who haven't yielded in a peace deal, and dislikes <laughs> any civilization who has surrendered or a civ who has not had a war. So the beginning of that is going to suck because you're not going to be able to effectively make peace with her. This is presumably a white peace, but the title of it is with your shield or on it, and. Um, that is, if if I remember correctly, I think it's like a an old Spartan like saying. Yeah, I think you're it's right. Like, don't yeah, don't co- it, like mothers would tell their sons like don't come back. Like they would give them like the shield. Yeah, like don't lose say, this. Like, don't, yeah, don't come back from war. Like you're you're gonna come back with your shield or on your shield. Like, yeah, you're gonna come back victorious or dead. Yep. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, I know. I'm so excited. I really like that. I, uh, so, so to, to briefly recap for everyone, um, just cause we're on the Civ Wiki, I got this pulled up here. Um, so for Pericles, you were mentioning briefly that his leader ability is surrounded by glory, which boosts culture output for every city state of which Greece is the suzerain. Um, so that's the, that's the change there. So you're either a suzerain of city states playing a little bit more of a passive game, or you're going to be, uh, out there with Gorgo killing your enemies and, taking your culture by force um mm-hmm. which is interesting and I, I did you get a chance to watch that let's play that they did the other day uh yeah the the one where they played gorgo yes i thought that was a yeah. good one to kind of show how it changed their tactics from the start you know they were very mm-hmm. hoplite focused um very aggressive towards rome because you know you have to be in that sort of way you know, that's how they get ahead in this game yeah um so i could see that you know i i, I like the idea that We've been talking for weeks and weeks and weeks about how these new sieves are all about, you know, leaning into them, I guess I should say, leaning into these sieves and their play style is going to be really beneficial for what direction you take your game. And I like this because it gives you an additional spin on that. You know, you can decide, well, I like Greece, I like their abilities, but if I want to play aggressive today, I can play Gorgo. If I want to play passive, I could play Pericles. And, you know, you can continue to diversify your empire like that and go in these very specific paths. But, Mike, I have a question for you while I'm looking here at the uh, civilizations and leaders. So the game is going to be in our hands in a week. Who do you – so we talked about which leaders we want to play as first. You were saying you want to do America first. I'm going to jump in as England first. You have to. You have to play America first. Maybe. Debatably. I don't know about that. Okay. Actually, no, he is Patriot, someone. But go on, he go on. <laughs> okay. Now I'm now I'm being accused of treason on the show. Great. Um, so my question for you is: Do you would you are you going to do a random selection of sieves when you start the game, or are you going to do more of like an advanced start sort of deal? We're going to get details on advanced start um, next this upcoming week from Fraxis. But like, yeah. will you pick your your enemies? I think I might my first game. Um, I don't know. I rarely do, but let me let me maybe I don't know. Like I, I I I don't I don't like the idea of having multiple leaders in um, multiple leaders of the same sieve mm-hmm. in my games. I just oh, yeah. don't I don't like that, uh, especially if I'm not playing them or if I am playing them. It's like hey, 
Like I'm Greece, get out of here. Like you're not, you're not the true Greece, but right. Um, so I wish it was an option to say like, like in the advanced start. I if I had to guess, I'd say like that one of the advanced start options would be to only have one leader, only one leader per sieve. Yeah. Um, I hope hopefully they have that. If they do, I'm going to check that box every single time. Um, but I don't know. Like I I want to see some of the stuff that they haven't really touched on. So like I might have. Or like some of the stuff they haven't really shown. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to have like an Egypt. Yes. In my, cause I haven't seen Egypt. I haven't seen Brazil very much. I haven't seen China very much. I don't Pan, feel like I've seen Norway too much. Uh, Quill did. Did he run into Norway? Yeah, he, yeah, he actually played Norway. But oh, um, oh, you're right. I that's I'm not up to that Norway. one yet. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to go through. Man. I'm finishing I, I his Roman series right now. I believe I'm close yeah. to the end. So. Yeah. Norway's yeah. up next for me. I forgot. Like, yeah, yeah, you're fine. you're fine. I haven't seen very much. Uh, I've seen Congo and like everything. Um, yeah, I haven't seen Russia. I haven't seen Scythia. So I haven't seen Sumeria. So I might, I might. Well, Scythia. I take that back. I've seen Scythia, but I haven't seen Sumeria very much. So I might have those in there. That's that's um, would be a cool one. I like that idea. Going after the ones that we really haven't seen played out to yeah. that degree. That's that's a smart Arabia. idea. I've really seen Arabia. I just want, I just want you know. I'm not going to go in and have like Greece, Germany, uh, America, Rome. I like that. I just, I've seen all that. You know, I want right. to see more. I was considering, since I, you know, I announced I'm playing England, I'm thinking I want to put some heavily naval civs in there. Like I was thinking I might, you know, very intentionally put Norway and put France in there because, of course, you have to. Um, yeah, France, yeah. Right. You know, doing some of those like historic setups or just picking some that I know. Yeah, Japan, Spain would be great with their their treasure fleet yeah. ability. Um, yeah. I, you know, I but but then again, there's also the magic to like rolling your first game as like a almost totally random sort of setup where you don't know who's in there, you don't know what's happening, you don't know what, what to expect. Um, yeah. So I could see that going either direction, uh, and maybe this will be our great point to segue. I want to um, uh, our our friends over there at Fraxis. Um, they are doing a live stream on October nineteenth. That's this upcoming. Is that Wednesday? Yes, that's this upcoming uh, Wednesday. Yeah. They're doing a um, it's a it's a battle royale thing on their their Twitch. Um, so that's Twitch tv backslash 2k and they're going to be putting uh together an ai controlled game of civ 6 uh they're also going to have live commentary from the developers which i think is gonna be pretty cool and if you're not able to tune in live they're going to have that up on their youtube channel afterwards but i'm excited to check this out they're going to play a game with um the aztecs brazil england Greece as Gorgo, japan rome russia and spain all in one game mm-hmm. all duking it out I don't think that their release said anything about what uh, difficulty they're going to be at. Probably Prince, maybe Emperor, we don't know. But uh, I'm excited. I, I want to see how the AIs duke it out, see who uh, comes to the top of this little battle royale. Yeah, I just think that that's awesome. You know, like yeah. that's something that the Reddit did and that they're doing it now. I, You know, say what you want about 2K, but I really get the impression that they listen to their fans, you know? Like whether it's uh, – it just seems like they do a lot of stuff – specifically for their fans so like they did let's see i agree with you i'm, I'm just gonna jump in here and say yeah you know the whole time for all this press stuff i feel like ed beach has always been saying you know yep we saw that on the forums we saw that on reddit we saw that here there etc et you know we wanted to incorporate yeah. this because it's important to our fans and our players and in 2016 when you have a reddit for basically every video game out there you know i understand there's a manpower issue and you can't put every single thing in that people want but to ignore mm-hmm huge things that, you know, your fans are very, you know, they're clamoring for in this accessible format is just sad that a lot of game companies don't do that. And yeah. I'm thrilled that, you know, Fraxis is, has their ear to the ground. They're listening to what the fans want. What's And they're also, like, amplifying what we have um, seemingly really used in the past iterations of the game. And like we said last week, we called out the reference to Civ 4 having the multiple leaders, and they even said like that in the video that, you know, that's a Civ 4 reference. And it, it's cool that they're keeping it, they're really pulling from, you know, everything they've done in the past, what people like, and then amping it up. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate what they're doing, man. I'm just, I'm just so pumped. And you to, have a little to get playing. You have a little bit of an issue jumping into play. Um, oh, yeah, I do. So yeah, so 
I am in college, right? And I am on the debate team for my college. And we're going to be debating at a tournament over next weekend. So we're going to be leaving on Thursday. We won't get back till Sunday night. So I will only very, very briefly be able to play Civ uh, at night before I go to bed. So I will... Oh, I'm so... So mad, but also flattered to get chosen to go because we do. We have a lot of good people in our team, so I am flattered to go. But it's man. flattering. But can like, you pause? I, I was <laughs> planning on just just hunk, like locking the door, hunkering down, and just playing. You know, all weekend, just go MIA all weekend. I. That's uh, the plan. Mm, <laughs> mm. I'm very so, sorry that you will not be at the game all weekend. Yeah, so we're we're Kyle and I are going to try to record uh, late Saturday night uh, after I finish debating, and uh, so Kyle, you'll be the you'll be our eyes on the ground. I am going to be reporting um, straight from the front lines. I will let you right. know my casualty count and where we okay. stand production wise. Um, Sounds like a plan. But on that note of us recording late, let's you know, we'll warn everyone right now. So we're probably going to record later at the e- very probably evening Saturday. So um, you're either going to get the episode on your feed very late, uh, like Pacific time. Uh, so what if we record around eight? You might get it by like ten p.m. Pacific time. If not, look for it in your feed on Sunday. Sorry, we try and keep it to a, a regular schedule, but both of us have super busy lives. I have family in town this week, which is. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's awesome to hang out and all that. It did throw our schedule off just a little bit today, but um, the bonus is that Sorry. I will have time at the end of this upcoming week to play lots and lots of Civ. So mm-hmm. that worked out well. Um, so let's see. I do want to share quickly. I'm, I'm going out of order in our show notes here, but um, we had a listener. His name was Max. He wrote in because we posted on Twitter and such um, if people had any, like, uh, any, um, I'm drawing a blank on the word, uh, traditions or pre-launch rituals, how they get themselves ready for it. You know, we were talking, I think, last week if we're going to be playing at midnight. We know you have a wrench in the system. I think I might be jumping in at midnight if anyone wants to add me on Steam. Um, my handle's Kyle Dempster 7 pretty easy, just like my Twitter one. Um, but, and, and, you know, Mike's out there. Mike, do you want to, if you want to share your... Yeah, I am... The Mariners 10. So T-H-E-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S 10. One, zero. We should maybe all one word, all lowercase. tweet those out too so people can find yeah, us. We'll put, yeah, we can put those in the um, show notes. Uh, show notes. Or the, the, um, the body of the episode, uh, whatever. Yeah. Or the, what do you call all that? It. Like It's like underneath the, the thing on the, the podcast app. Uh, the description. I, I think if I think Kyle's the technical guy. I think they call description, it the description. Okay. I don't think there's just anything more specific. So we'll put it in the description of the episode. You guys can find us if you'd like to play. I'm always looking to find new uh, Civ buddies. And then down the line, we would like to go and do a um, uh, a big battle on Twitch or broadcast it on YouTube. Maybe that's the I other thing. I would love to do that. Yeah. Hey, guys out there listening, if you prefer YouTube streaming versus Twitch streaming, let me know which one you like better, which platform you frequent. I can technically stream to either, and I don't really have... YouTube's kind of my preference, but it's such a small line. I don't care. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll let the listeners decide where we put this thing. But we're looking to do um, a game with listeners uh, in hmm, kind of like early November-ish, like the first week or second week of November, once everyone's yeah. had a chance to get in. This was Mike's idea that um, once everyone gets a chance to play, they get their footing in the game, we can jump in and do some kind of like team battles and whatever else. Yeah, and I think it'd be yeah, because I hate to, I hate to, um, like the re- I, I, uh, I'd like to go in like the first week and try to you know play with people, but it occurred to me that, um. It, you know, during the first couple of games, I think I'm going to be reading a lot and like visiting the Civilopedia, mm-hmm. trying new stuff, getting a feel for things. So I think if we waited like two weeks, then everybody would kind of have the game under control. So we could focus more on playing and not trying to, you know, fumble through the Civilopedia and trying to look stuff up. So just make it easier for people, you know, understand the game. 
Agreed. Oh, and I, uh, I, I tangented so badly. I never even read Max's uh, email yeah, that he like sent Max. us. So he wrote in and had some really nice things to say. He said, "I just listened to the first four episodes of Civcast on a long car ride yesterday. Superb show. I'm not sure if you're uh, recording this one yet, but just in case, he sent us some information um, about his playing of Civ. He said this is his first true Civ game that he's playing on release. He bought Civ Five in 2013, so I think he was a couple years after." release i think that was 2010 uh he says uh, i'll look it up you go you go for it yeah you look it up so he bought civ 5 in 2013 and rode the hype train for beyond earth but was nothing compared uh to the hype he's experiencing this week uh for three years now i've used a decent laptop for civ squinting to read text and switching to strategic view by the medieval era i decided enough was enough i used the collective wisdom of reddit build a pc to pick out parts uh and as of wednesday night he now has a lovely homemade desktop computer in theory i wanted civ 6 to be the first game that was played on it but i couldn't resist i went domination with attila on a huge pangea map i had no idea the mid to late game is so pretty i'm even (laughs) more pumped for civ 6 well max as you saw in these amazing let's play videos and stuff like that you're going to be able to do all the new um 3D turning of the game and all kinds of stuff you couldn't do in Civ Five, so it sounds like a fantastic time um, yeah. to to hype up that computer and build it up because you're going to take full advantage of that awesome graphics and yeah, that was a good call. And man, I have I have like some i3, like a mm-hmm. one year old i3 laptop, so mine's not going to look perfect, but I'm glad other people's are. You know, right? I, oh, it's so cool. It's, um, I find it. Cr- it came, and uh, Civ Five came out 2010, September wow. 2010. I dude, six I was years ago. telling my friend, and uh, okay, so I, I just turned 25. But for the sake of this argument, say you know I'm still 24 for a second here, and it, that means if I've been playing that game for six years, you know what? That's a quarter of my life I played Civ. You know, <laughs> right? Like that. That math checks out. Oh, that's out, weird. Yeah. Uh, think about that. And, you know, uh, fully admitting, you know, it's not an everyday thing. There's months I put Civ, Civ 5 to, you know, bed and came back to it. But, like, a quarter of your life sitting there playing a video game, when we're in this market where video games turn over so quickly, you know, some of them it's like, oh, I played this for one week and I'm bored. But then you got Civ 5, six years, and it's like, oh, that's a big chunk of my life, let alone you know, all, all the time that was invested. So it's really cool. Um, I love that, I, I love his uh, comment in there that he was going to wait to try and get Civ 6 to be the first, like, christening game of the 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 thing, but couldn't do it. Had to play Attila on mm. there in Domination and a huge Pangea yep. map. Seems like that was a fantastic choice for a first one. So love it when people write in to share these awesome stories with us about what keeps them coming back to Civ, why they are, you know, fans as they are. Um, and, you know, just the community yeah, is here. I, yeah, I just looked at my hours on Steam, <laughs> and as of right, well, because uh, recently, because Rome was the first Civ I played mm-hmm. when I got Civ Five, so I recently um, started up a Rome game again. You know, just kind of yep. like a nice little send off. It is it's all coming full circle. It was kind of emotional because it's like, you know, like what, how many years of your life you play Civ Five and. Oh I mean, yeah. I'm still going to go back, but I'm definitely going to go back and play Civ 5 eventually, but it's going to be Civ 6 for a long time, but I looked and as of 1:25 p.m. Uh, the 15th, mm-hmm. I have 1303 <gasps> hours in Civ 5. Wow. Which which is 54 and a half days straight. So now, You've spent almost what two months playing Civ then straight. Yeah, <laughs> but at uh, that is let's see, a hundred and sixty-two days of a full-time job. Wow! So like, if I if I played Civ as a job for eight hours a day, it would last me hundred sixty-two days, which is like five and a half months. Maybe we can like Which, parlay this into like some government strategy planning sort of job, and you can just do it full time. You know, you can play Civ, dude, and dude, that's the goal, man. That's the that's the goal. That's the goal, man. I just need Civ uh, Civ Six to pay out. Then just that, needs to pay the bills. Yeah, if I got paid <laughs> for all that time, I'd get ninety five or like ninety four hundred dollars. Oh, <sighs> you know. 
It's one of those things. Uh, Thank you for adding your Steam thing into the show notes. We'll make sure these get into our episode here. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm so excited for this. It's it's coming so quickly that I, you know, I've been kind of planning what I need to do. I need to update my graphics card. Just thinking of that off the top of my head, it's been pinging me every day. But Mm -hmm. um, speaking of like putting it to rest, like you were saying, you know, you're doing the full circle thing. Um, My friend and I were trying to maybe get in there and do a send off game because we, uh, I have mentioned this many times as well, but I always do like default to Russia. And he's always, um, I think he's uh, Denmark building polders there. And we've traditionally, uh, that be, uh, that is that Sweden? Netherlands. Netherlands, thank you. Netherlands. Um, uh, we're always playing those two, and it just felt like it would be a good idea if we can find the time this week to get in there, do one more game, not even worry about like completing it or anything if we don't feel like it, but just getting in there, kind of going back to the old days of 2010, kicking butt. Um, yeah, taking names and then we're going to get into the new craziness. So that is just around the corner here. Let's see. What else do we have lined up for this episode? Oh, I wanted to tell everyone if you didn't catch it already, you can watch uh, Christopher Tin. Uh, he's doing the um, he was he did an interview where he was discussing the new theme song for uh, Civilization. Yeah, that VI. was really cool. It is. Um, is it Sono di Valare? Um, I forget the exact translation. Um, it's uh, something by flight. A uh, flight of something. Yeah. Okay. You said it a lot better than me. You said it a lot better than I would. I just saw Sogno di Volare. <laughs> Sogno di Volare. Okay. I think it's Sogno di Volare or something like but that. But that's but that's not it. Uh, okay. it technically depends on your pronunciation. Um, yeah, what does it mean? I should have had this in our show notes. Sorry, everyone. This is fantastic radio. Uh, I'm getting... I'm getting on Google Translate, so take it with a grain of salt, <laughs> the dream of flying, or dream of flying. I think it's, like, yeah, the dream of flight or something like that. Uh, anyway, it is a cool dream song. Flight, yeah. The dream something of flight like is what it's showing. Um, oh, that's from his official Twitter account. We can verify. Uh, okay. It says the dream verify. of flight is what it translates <laughs> to from Italian. Uh, I thought it was kind of neat because he was saying um, the other, you know, Baba Yetu was like a Swahili sort of, um, you know, chant to to God in a way. And this one's very um, Eurocentric and, you know, goes with an Italian theme. It's very, you know, very rooted in the origins of of Central Europe there. So just a different take, just a different theme for a different game. And uh, the music is is always something that's really important to Siv. Um, it's it's something you listen to for hours. You know, you might not think it's that important at first, but when you log your thousand hours of that game, Mike, you know how much, how many times have you heard these background songs repeat? Uh, too many times. Yeah. Uh, just, just too much. Just too much. Like I'm sitting here humming, uh, humming the Brave New World mm-hmm. uh, theme song. Yeah. They always do such a good job, and I I don't know if you checked this out or if you noticed this in anything, but. I saw, I think it was PC Games, uh, PC Gamer might have done uh, this article. It was about how the music changes through time in Civ Six. Yeah. So yeah. each Civ, um, correct me if I'm wrong in any of this from your own memory, but each Civ gets their own melody that will, as you go along through the game, I think it's every two eras, it changes a bit and you get a new, like an instrument added or the instrument develops into something pardon me, a little bit more sophisticated. So as you're, you know, going through these eras, you start off, um, they specifically used America as an example. You start off with just a single banjo playing this very, uh, you know, they're playing the melody. It sounds very empty, kind of like the world that you're in. It's in this undeveloped world. It's all open and free. And then as you go on, they layer in more music as your sieve becomes more complex. And as your cities grow, you know, you're noticing this world become more full and at the end of it, you know, when you start to hit like the modern era, you've got this very upbeat, very, uh, I don't know what the word. Um, yeah, yeah, moving. this comes, uh, yeah, this comes by way of PC Gamer uh, by Tom Marks. He says, um, he says that every sieve has its own unique theme, and that theme has four different variations depending on the era the sieve is currently in. As you advance, each Civ's music starts gathering more instruments and more layers, but keeps a core melody that you can recognize the entire time. 
this he says it's true for all 20 sieves. I don't know if that's a typo and he meant 19 or if Gorgo and Pericles have different music sets. Um, Ooh. I don't I don't know. I don't know if that's an error or if it's if it if if it means that. However, he also goes on to say uh, Quofraxis produced at least 80 different songs just for theme music, so presumably um, presumably it means Gorgo as well. Wow. Um, so, I, yeah. I wouldn't be bummed, you know, I, I totally get it if, if you know, Greece, as if, if the if the songs are tied to the actual civilization, not the leader, that'd be cool by me, but it's all the cooler if it's tied to the leader and, you know, they mm-hmm. all have an extra little jaunty tune to go along and keep you entertained all the longer. That'd be cool, yeah. but I get it. Um, I just like this attention to detail in the game. It really seems like we're getting a great product. Um, something that it looks full to me. Like, I'm watching these these videos, and I'm sitting there, like, pausing it mid-let's play, and I'm like, oh, I'd put this there, and I want to put that yep. there. I want to do this. And, ooh, we talked about this before. Um, in... I think it was the Let's Play. Yeah, it was the Let's Play they did that Fraxis did the other day. They had, I think, my two favorite city-states. I should pull these up as I talk, so I'm not uh, talking out my butt here. But they pulled up, they had uh, two city-states to their left, which would have been the ocean. And one of those was Lisbon, which I have said to you, I'm so excited to play because their suzerain bonus is your traders are immune to being plundered by water tiles. But to my knowledge, I had not seen this other sieve anywhere else. Um, they had Nan Madal in there, um, which is also yeah. on the coast. Might have been shown in someone else's video. I just hadn't paid attention. But their suzerain bonus is that your districts that are on or next to a coastal tile provide plus two culture. And I was like, oh my god, if I were in that game, I would be snatching those two guys up, playing mm-hmm. a naval battle, and just, you know totally taking advantage of everything I could get from waterfront stuff. You know, get the traders out there. Get all my districts on coastal plain, you know, there so we can get the bonuses. I'm just, I'm ready, dude. I'm ready. Dude. Is it Friday? I feel you, man. Uh, it's, it's currently still Saturday. Uh, it's not Friday. No time has passed. Dang it. Uh, well. Um, 30 minutes have 30 passed. Minutes, 30 minutes have passed. 30 minutes have passed. 30 minutes closer. Well, team. everyone, we're 30 minutes closer to Civ 6. Uh, oh. You know what? The advantage to this, Mike, is if they go and download this episode of the podcast, which if they're listening to it, they have likely already done, it doesn't matter when they listen to it. By the time they've hit this point in the show, they are 30 minutes closer to Civ closer 6. To Civ 6. <laughs> so you can thank us for that one and yeah, uh, right. send us your fan mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I did want to ask you if you have, because this is, uh, let me see. Actually, I want to look through my notes here one sec here. I don't think I put yeah, anything else in. While you do that, I just want to say that I, you know, I mean, you approached me on Reddit, or you didn't approach me. You just kind of put out a big general thing on Reddit about doing the show. And I was kind of skeptical, but I, I'm so glad we did it, man. I'm so glad we're doing this and that people are listening to it and all this good stuff. I mean, we're not pulling massive numbers but i'm impressed anybody's listening to it quite frankly um our our fans i don't know the listeners out there are amazing too like you're Mm. saying i i love it it's a fun thing to do it's um i do it you know we do it out of passion it's not like there's really anything more to it than that um i saw some trolls bashing another podcaster the other day that i really like and one of the comments they wrote to him was like well if you're podcasting you must think that your opinions are important enough to share and had had I been that guy, I mean, I, I kind of have a policy. You know, we our fans are the listeners are amazing. They don't I haven't received anything rude, so I appreciate that. Um, yeah. But I was thinking, you know, no, I, I would have written back if I chose to engage and say something like, "No, I don't think my opinions are any more important than anyone else's. I just like it. It's fun. I do it because I enjoy it, and it gets us close to the community. I've I've talked to people th- from Twitter to people that write in. Um, you're, you're welcome to email us at civcastpodcast uh, at gmail.com. The people that send us email have cool stories to share that I would have never talked to had they not, or had we not done this, and had they not taken the effort to send that mail. It just wouldn't happen. I don't know yeah. them. And I think that's, you know, a very, very cool thing about this community and about technology that we can kind of do this stuff, that we can broadcast live, like or, well, broadcast wide like this. Um, and I did, I found the question I wanted to ask you, Mike, what is one thing 
anything okay. from Civ okay. 6. No limitations. It can be super, super tiny. It could Ooh. be from a UI tweak. It could be a specific, a unique unit. It could be a district. It could be a sweeping change to the game. What is okay. one thing that you are most excited for in Civ 6? Mm. You can take your time on this answer. Mm. And I can give mine first if you'd prefer, if that makes it easier. Mm. Go ahead and give yours first. Let's, let's do yours first. I, I chose kind of a um, a larger sweeping one, like I was saying. I chose okay. the civics tree. I am most excited for that change. It's something I always enjoy playing in the games, whether it's you know Beyond Earth, whether it's Civ Five. I love the cultural points that you get. I love those sort of bonuses. You know, I was, I'm always playing strong with culture. I might be like leading with military. I might be trying to push out money or whatever. But I always have culture up there. I would argue above science in a way. Like I'm just pushing that culture because well, the culture let's will not give get me. Crazy, but go ahead. Well, you know what I'm saying. Like <laughs> instead of uh, building tons and tons of like mid to late game library, not libraries, but you know, like uh, universities, universities and stuff. Or... I would build a museum before that potentially, potentially, just because I feel that if you use your culture points correctly, you can get those other bonuses upped. So, you know, you, you can get things that give you more culture. In this game, I'm super excited with the new tree because it looks like a science tree. They work pretty much hand in hand like that. You're going to get um, some unique units. For, not Is it units? I don't even know if I want to lie and say that. But you get unique um, abilities from doing it. You know, you can get some specific things from your civics tree that's going to help you. Uh, I, I love these policies, though. These cards seem super cool. They let you customize your empire in like an, a new way that I don't feel like you could have before. Because in the old, in Civ Five and Civ uh, Beyond Earth, you just went down that tree and plopped in points where they were appropriate. But in this one, you know, you're swapping these cards in and out every turn. I chose it as my favorite thing because it seemed like it got integrated to a way that it hadn't been in the past. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you somewhat. I think that uh, the my, my pick is definitely the gov unique governments, mm. the different slots, because I think that effectively you're changing. You have the ability to change your cards out of your government or change your governments every couple turns, mm -hmm. um, just between the rate of getting your uh, uh, the rate at which you get. Um, uh, they're not, not they're, uh, civics. That's what they call it. It's yeah. like the text, but at the rate at which you get civics, you're effectively changing it out every turn, every other turn. So, I think that it's more interactive that way. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's a lot more. There's a lot more you could do. So, if you're gonna, if you know you're gonna, you're gonna want to settle a new city, you could take that settler policy. Yep. You could crank out a couple settlers while you're doing that, and then switch back to something more useful, right? So, I really like the way that that works. Um, I just think it's a lot more reactive, a lot more proactive in, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Because in Civ Five, you know, you pick your uh, you pick your tree. Yep. But that's it. You know, like you're pretty committed. You're yeah. You got to commit hard, which is fine. But I just think the system. I think the system in Civ Six works a lot better. Um, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one step further, Kyle. I'm gonna go give you some my my biggest kind of like eh. We're like, why did they change that kind of thing? Go for it. I'm Big, curious. Disappointment, right? I despise their the new movement system. Ooh, despise. They made it despise. Ouch. Sorry they for just, just they made it no, I'm not sorry. Kidding. This is this is ridiculous. This is like like I think you just made it effectively you just made it harder to chase things down, which means it's harder to chase down barbs. Wars are going to be slower. It just you just change you just slowed the pace of the game, and I cannot stand it. You effectively mm. nerfed warriors because you're not going to be able to scout very much at all. Even regular scouts, you're going to have to spend a turn crossing a river or a turn getting up a hill, where you'd be able to get move around a lot better. Like they made they had a good idea in Civ Five to make the base movement of uh, units. Uh, two, because mm -hmm. before you could just move one tile at a time, that was excruciating. But they they had a good idea there, and I think that by removing that option to or removing or changing up the movement system the way that they did, it just it, it took away a lot of those strategic options that you had. 
um, like with your warriors and you could position them a certain way or other melee units, you could position them a certain way. You could go here, go here. Your options are just limited. So by opening up the floodgates on uh, uh, the the military or the government policies, which like I just said, I think are really great and proactive. I think that they went the other direction with movement in wars. So mm. I don't know. It just, it just seems like a massive step back or in Civ six, you just can't move. I'm withholding judgment just yet because I fully admit, I know it's going to cause a lot of problems with me. I don't think, you know, as, as a super casual player, you know, dedicated player, but casual player, I don't think that in Civ Five, I don't really pay attention to movement mechanics that much. Like it tells me how far I can go. I, I do to some degrees, like especially if I'm, you know, using a navy. Like that's super easy. You know, the coastal tiles don't or ocean tiles don't hinder you really. So you know, I pay attention to it in varying degrees depending on my situation. But uh, it is taking a forefront. You know, it's getting into the front seat in this game where it's like, okay, that unit really might not be able to get onto this hill this turn. It could be your death. And we saw, you know. Um, I've seen a couple players lose units that way uh, in some of their Let's Play videos because, understandably, you know, you're not used to that new mechanic. You're used to Civ Five. You're used to moving it, and they die. But I wonder, and this is why I'm withholding judgment, is how it ties together to the game in full. You know, we're looking at this game from, you know, just a strictly Let's Play perspective, but I wonder how it plays in when you're uh, when your your wonders are getting sacked or something like that, you know, by the enemy moving into your territory, how glad you might be that they can't necessarily go uh, into certain areas. And I also wonder if it makes it more, does it make hills more valuable to have in the sense that you can actually have a better defense around your city? You know, you could put archers up on the hills, and that's actually more of a thing than it might have been in just in Civ Five, where people can, you know, move pretty freely. Also, with the new roads in Civ Six and how that works, I think that's going to change the game up a bit. Yeah. And also, I some just, of these promotion trees—I don't know—I I, I could see it working, but again, I'm I'm kind of withholding judgment on the movement system until I get my hands on it and can feel it out. Yeah, I just I just think it's such a an odd change, something that we we didn't really need. Yeah, like I don't know. I just think it was something that. I don't know. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it, kind of thing. I can agree with that. I I will like, say. I, I just I just don't see how this was an improvement over Civ Five. Hmm. I, I just don't I just don't see the benefit to having it this way. I mean, no. maybe maybe to make movement more valuable. That's like, what so I'm you have thinking. To, you have to pick and choose what you want to do, but I don't know. Well, the one thing just, I'm super excited about with movement, and I think it was much needed in this game, um, just. I don't remember how it was in Civ 4. I think they said it was this way. But in Civ 5, one of my biggest gripes was that your you know, civilian units were always unaccompanied by military units. You had to devote extra you know, mental uh, bandwidth to keeping your units together, making sure that great general was always you know, in the same tile as someone, you know, as a warrior, whatever you're talking about. Um, you had mm -hmm. to protect them, your settler, etc., so they didn't get stomped by a barbarian or, you know, just another player or whatever. I love that in this game, you can finally attach units to one another um, for protection. I guess this is a throwback. I, I read that it was in a previous game. But so you can um, tie your military units to certain civilian units so that they're always protecting them. Um, same thing with boats. I think they mentioned uh, with the fleets, you can combine them so you're not getting stuff uh, smashed out there in the ocean just because you weren't paying attention. And also mm. loving how the, uh, I saw like the battering rams and stuff like that. That is one of those unit combinations. You can, you know, put them together on the same tile. So I always had such trouble with catapult maneuvering and um, I should say like trebuchet moving. In Civ Five, you know, you just have to be careful that they're not sharing the same tile and that everyone's moving separately, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I'm just glad to see that some of our siege units in this one share that tile. They don't have to be out there on their own. You're not fiddling with that as like an extra component. They can just move right through your your army like they should. Yeah, they kind of fiddle with that with um, Assyria and Brave New World. Uh, they their unique unit. Uh, what was it called? Oh. It's a siege tower, I think. They, it gave a fifty percent bonus attack to cities by two adjacent units. So, oh uh, yeah, in this in the same kind of vein, um, 
uh, same kind of vein uh, where you would you would put that in the front lines with your other uh, units and you could burst down a city much more easily um, with your melee because typically in Civ Five, you know, you don't really attack cities with melee until the end because you need them to soak up damage, right? Right. So it, it just made it a lot easier to take cities with Syria. I do like a lot of the the city um, city fighting mechanics in this game. I love the idea that you know finally if they don't have walls, there's no bombard, which is going to have you know negative consequences for the player. But I also like it because if you're in the early game, it seems like it is a lot easier to go take a city. You know, if you start yeah. day one, like I'm going military, let's spam the slingers and warriors, let's send them out there in the front. You have a better chance of taking someone's like satellite city that the, you know the second one they found is probably a lot easier to swoop and grab instead of in Civ 5 where, you know, you were like, okay, well, first I'm going to need to knock this city down a bit and then I'm going to have to send in the warrior. So you can't even really, it's hard to do it from the start. Yeah. I, I like that change. I'll tell you why. Because at first glance, it looks like it just, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But I think that, I think that it makes the game more, more interesting because you have to commit resources in, production to build defenses yeah uh, to your cities right yeah. and i think that in c5 you just kind of naturally have defense right so but now i think it's you have to choose you know do you develop science or do you develop military and i think that that thematically works as well with uh, civs in the ancient you know in ancient times then they really had to commit a lot of their time to like for fortification efforts and building up a military so i i, I can appreciate that yeah, uh, I, I can appreciate that change. I liked how um, you know when Ed, Ed Beach was playing the other day, they really kept those bar uh, their uh, early game warrior units close to the city to keep um, barbarian scouts out. Like I like the idea that you are a little bit more precious of everything. You know, without those walls, you can't shoot that scout, and if that scout gets back to base camp, those barbarians are coming in force. So you have to. Yep. It is definitely going to change the way I play. I mean, obviously, but for sure with this. Um, yeah, I was a guy that built my scouts a little bit later. You know, I'd always send my my first military units out to explore because, to be honest, barbarians weren't always a huge threat in Civ Five, depending on depending on every you know settling and how how yeah, things are working. By and but, large, yeah, by and large, they were a lot uh, weaker. Yeah, you could get archers out. You know, maybe by the time you actually had a barbarian threat, and at the beginning of the game, if you don't even have a worker unit out there meandering around building stuff, your city's automatic defense could. typically take down a warrior barbarian just because, well, why not? Um, But now we have to actually consider that and it's a much bigger thing and you could potentially, you know, on these higher difficulties get sacked by a barbarian horde at the start of your Mm -hmm. game if you're not playing carefully. Yeah, especially those uh, barbarian horsemen. Oh, I know. Those look just devastating. I think that horse, uh, you know, cavalry reunits, I think that they're going to have a whole new use in this one like i was always playing a bit light with cavalry in the past unless they were a specific purpose to me like if my enemy was far then i'd spam cavalry just because they're quick but in this one i can really see how defensive cavalry meaning ones that stay around your capital and such would be really useful to snag those uh those barbarian scouts as quick as possible and you know that way you're you're defending your borders further so i don't know it's maybe making new Civ 6 might be taking units that I didn't play and giving them, assigning them like a whole new purpose or bonus or strength or whatever that I wasn't mm-hmm. using in the past to the fullest. Yeah. So I'm excited, dude. I think we're kind of getting towards the end of this episode, but less than five days, everyone, less than five days. I just, just cannot wait. I know. Yeah. Oh, so any uh, other than other than that any other parting words you want to give to our our listeners out there mike i'm just i'm just sad <laughs> mike is sad i, I just i just want to just want to play civ 6 man you know i but know no, I, i'm i'm happy uh i'm glad i'm going um and uh i, I hope everybody has a good first weekend out there with civ 6 and uh yeah seriously i, I really want to do um uh, a big game with uh it's it feels weird to say that we have fans but with fans um and us and i don't think my like i said before i have this lie three i don't think it's good enough to stream so if we do ever stream something with them uh again email us and 
say if you want uh, Twitch or YouTube, because I think we can accommodate. Um, to be from Kyle's perspective, but you would hear my voice through uh, Discord. Correct. Um, so yeah, that's I, I, re- I really want to do that. It, it um, would work perfectly. We're all I'm all set up on this end. Um, you would get the uh, if those listening. You'd get the full spectrum. You'd be able to hear. Uh, everyone on Discord, we'd invite you into the server here, um, get you set up. You'd be able to hear all of our players um, that can talk, and you can hear Mike and I as we comment on things. Um, it, it'd be fun. I'm excited. So yeah, yeah, it'll be a good time. Twitch or YouTube, you tell us which. Uh, as a reminder, the email here is civcastpodcast at gmail.com. Nice and simple, spelled exactly as it sounds. Also, if you need a link to the show, or a submission form to send anything in, you can go to kyledempsterstudios.com backslash civcast. That's one word, civcast. And there are plenty of links to the show. You can share those with your friends. Uh, And also there's a nice submission form at the bottom where a lot of people are actually using it. I'm super happy that people are taking advantage of that. Uh, They're sending in their thoughts. So we really, really, really appreciate that. It it, uh, confirms to us that we have some great people out there and love Mm -hmm. hearing your stories. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Kyle Dempster seven. The show's on Twitter. That's at Civ underscore cast. Um, I'm trying to ramp up our posting as we're getting closer to Civ six. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do I have to share with people? We've got some lovely reviews on iTunes. Give us a five star review there, and we'll give you a shout out on the show in, in exchange. Also, if you want to go one step further and really, really, really help us out, you could post about the show on Twitter. And also, if you want to share it on Reddit, I know there's a massive community there. I always feel bad about posting my own content on Reddit. So if you want to do us a solid and post on there, we will be eternally grateful to you. Uh, Let people know that we're still bumping over here. Um, like I said, go to the website. It has all the goodies. Uh, another shout out, a thank you to our friends, the Civ Wiki, for always having content at our fingertips so that we can reference during the show. You make my casual gaming brain uh, actually sound semi-intelligent on air. So <laughs> anything is a blessing in that sense. Uh, Mike, I think that's going to do it for this week. And until next Saturday, just one more turn. You're listening to CivCast on the Kyle Dempster Studios Network. For more shows like this, visit kyledempsterstudios.com.